You're listening to episode 73 of the Urban Yogi Podcast featuring Dr. Melissa Sell. Dr. Melissa Sell teaches people of all ages how to overcome the fear of symptoms and adopt the mindset of healing. She began on her health discovery journey in 2005, right out of high school. She was raised in a typical family with mainstream views of health. She thought that when you get a headache, you take Advil. When you get sick, you go to the doctor. But that all changed when she got a job as an assistant to a chiropractor. She started learning that the body is programmed for health and that everything that is necessary for healing is already present inside your body. She learned the importance of a healthy lifestyle, healthy spine, daily exercises, quality nutrition, etc. She then discovered something called Germanic New Medicine. And today we get into the game-changing science of GNM. It takes everything that she loves about chiropractic philosophy, innate wisdom, body's ability to heal itself, combines it with the supremacy of the mind and the science of evolution and embryology, and delivers a complete understanding of how the body works to heal, what disease really is, and how to return to ideal function. I hope you enjoy my interview with Melissa Sell. So I am here with the lovely Dr. Melissa Sell. And I came across Melissa Sell's work probably about three or four years ago. I've been studying Germanic New Medicine for probably about seven years, not super, super in-depth like you have, but I've done some of the introductory courses and I went to the International GNM Summit um, three years ago now in Toronto. And um, it's just such an amazing science. And we were just talking before we went on air about how it's so important to share this right now with what's going on in the world and to help alleviate people's fear and teach them this science that's really rooted in embryology and evolutionary understandings of like, we don't have to be scared of microbes. We are 10 to one microbe. <laughs> so how about we just sort of start by, tell me a little bit about how you discovered Germanic new medicine, and then maybe we can get into the five biological laws. Totally, yes. Thank you so awesome. much for having me. This is so My fun. Pleasure. Yes, um, it was. <clears throat> I'm a chiropractor, so that's my um, credential is I come from the world of holistic health and um, nutrition and exercise and detoxification and alignment of the spine. And so that was the world that I was in for many years and I loved it and I taught it. And um, it was around four years ago that I discovered GNM and I saw it, it filled in gaps that were there, that were present in my yeah. experience. Because even the people, the healthiest people that I knew, every so often, someone would have a diagnosis, someone would, you know, who was doing everything right. And so there was just kind of this question mark, just kind of this, you know, maybe I'm missing something. GNM <clears throat> filled that gap. And Dr. Yes. Hammer's work blew my mind wide open. And the first thing that I was just, I was stunned that I had never heard of it. I was like, how could I, because I've been in natural health since 2005. And I was like, yes. oh, not a whisper, not a hint. <laughs> no one's even mentioned this German medical doctor who found this direct biological connection between shocking traumas and the tissue adaptations that we call cancer or, you know, disease that are actually intelligent adaptations that the body is doing on purpose. And my world was just blown wide open. And I dove mm -hmm. in and studied it for about nine months of just drawing out all of the pictures and like the chart. I love that we're, we both have the chart of, you know, all these things that Dr. Palmer found, the embryology, 
I was really, I loved embryology and chiropractic school. And so that part particularly turned me on of the different germ layers and how they behave and the brain regions. And I mean, the science and the depth of this work is so much more than, you know, typically what people think of, of like mind body, you know, kind of a spiritual sort of manifestation, mm -hmm. the deliberate tissue adaptation biology aspect of GNM. Yes, like makes me think of this. Uh, for those of you listening, I'm showing um, you can heal your life by Louise Hay, and it's great. But it's kind of like what you were just saying. We go from Louise Hay, which is a little bit kind of surfacey, to the real science nitty gritty of how different parts of the brain control different, you know, tissues and and organs in the body in Germanic New Medicine. It's really really cool. This is good too. But I found this was like a good launching point into Germanic New Medicine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it gets you in that in that realm of understanding. And people have understood that for a very long time, that there is a connection between your emotional, spiritual state of being and your physical state. You know, the people mm -hmm. who have seen the mind, body, spirit connection have, have seen this in many, you know, and that's the cool thing about GNM too, is that there are like Chinese medicine and Ayurveda yes. and all of these different <clears throat> tools of thought um, they really do all come back when you see the GNM connection and what Dr. Hammer discovered. It's like, oh, now this really, really makes sense. What the Chinese mm -hmm. medicine people and you know all of these different schools of thought, even chiropractic, begins to make so much more sense when you yes. have this missing link. Like the work that Dr. Hammer did is absolutely the missing link in all of healthcare, all of medicine, all of alternative or allopathic medicine. You have to understand this. And so that's why I love, yes. you know, despite all of the craziness that's happened this year, it's been a good year for getting this message to people because people are ready for a new paradigm. What we're doing isn't working. People aren't getting healthier under the allopathic model. I mean, there's just pure madness of people being afraid of invisible uh, germs and bugs and afraid mm. in ways that we've never been afraid before. It's time yes. something completely new and different. Amen, sister. Yeah, and and I love the way that you teach it. You really bring a, a fresh energy. And you know, whenever somebody new wants to learn Germanic new medicine, I'll simply send them your GNM 101 on YouTube. So I'll make sure to include that in the show notes. But um, yeah, thank you for the way that you communicate it. It's very understandable and relatable. And um, how about we go right into the five laws? Totally. Yes, and and I think awesome. that that understandability. <clears throat> And the thing that I really do love to impart to people is the fact that you can understand this, even yes. if you're not a doctor or you have no science background, because that's really where empowerment comes from is you understanding your vessel. Like you are yes. living in this vessel. And if you don't understand the ancient biology, the ancient equipment mm. that you have in the way that your perception of your world is influencing that ancient equipment, there's going to be a lot of miscommunication and a lot of misunderstanding. And if you have to rely on an outside source for every rash and itch and, and lump and bump that crops up on your body, you are in this position of disempowerment because someone outside of you, someone in a white coat, someone who's smarter, someone who knows more, went to school for this, you have to subjugate yourself to their body of knowledge. And with GNM, you can know for yourself as a parent, what does this sniffle mean? What does this cough mean? What does this rash mean? Where did this come from? And that 
form of empowerment. No one can take that away from you. And yes. once you have it, and once you understand that, oh no, my body isn't attacking me, psyche, brain, organ, when I have, and that's the first biological law, when, you know, we're constantly, our nervous system is just on alert. It's, mm. you know, mm. scanning our environment. This ancient part of us is just taking in all of this data. And its main concern is, are we safe? Is everything right. okay? And I just want to add in, it, it makes me think of um, something Daniel Vitalis once said, alternative medicine, alternative, alternate to what is native. So really allopathic medicine is alternative because it's alternate to what is native to how humans have been healing themselves for eons. I no. love that. That is really good. <laughs> yeah, the alternative, yeah that is alternate to what is native and native is just this primal beingness and that our bodies, and that's the thing too, is like our bodies have been adapting for forever. Like every adaptation that your ancestors made in order to survive in, you know, in areas and locations around the world to survive that is embedded within you. Every time there was a challenge or an obstacle that was overcome, that wisdom is within you. And so that's right. what's so cool. And what Dr. Hammer discovered with all of these biological programs, um, I loved, I watched an uh, interview with Dr. Stefan Lanka mm. talks about how each organ, it's like, it has a consciousness, like it has a history yes. and it knows what is necessary in certain shocking situations. And so that's, you know, what Dr. Hammer found was that when we have specific types of biological conflict shocks, so here we are, we're just going along, everything's normal, everything's fine. And then boom, something happens. Something catches us off guard. It's highly acute. It's shocking. In that moment, you feel isolated. You feel all alone and boom, your body steps in. It's like a button is pressed. There's a threshold, a precipice for adaptation and these pre-programmed, and this happens so fast, these pre-programmed biological um, adaptations within us based on what type of shock that you had. So was it a death fright? Did you think mm -hmm. you were going to die? Was it a self-devaluation, a crushing realization of your, you know, inadequacy? Was it a separation, something torn from you? Was it a betrayal? Was it, you know, something that you made you so angry? All of those different nuances, all of the unique ways in which you perceived, that's what sets off the program. Yes. And the individual nature of this I love too is how unique, like the way you experience something and the way I experience it, we could experience the same thing on paper, mm -hmm. but our internalization, our perception of it could be completely different and set off a different cascade of biological programs or no program at all. Mm -hmm. It's all about how our individual psyche registers the insult or the shock or the unexpected trauma. How does self-love play into Germanic new medicine in, or just into our general health in terms of, you know, I've heard it said that um, we're not able to prevent our conflict shocks, but I have this understanding or this belief that, you know, if we're meditating and if we're loving ourselves and really enjoying being embodied as a human, that perhaps we can go more smoothly through our conflicts. Yes. And that is, that's exactly what I teach is that, um, through self-awareness, which I think self-love comes via self-awareness mm -hmm. 
is knowing yourself and understanding yourself and understanding how it is that you see the world that we can recognize more swiftly when we are conflicted. Right. And when you recognize and you know, Ooh, my hands are cold. I'm not eating. I'm, you know, my heart's kind of racing and I am up at night thinking about this thing. The more quickly you can recognize that you are in a state of adaptation, you are in a conflict right now, you know, you will be able to downgrade that. So talk yourself down. And so that, you know, self-love is caring for yourself, encouraging yourself instead of, you know, the voice within that's like, oh, not only is it bad, it could be 10 times worse that, you know, pressures you and makes you believe that horrible things are, are going to happen. You know, the, the loving part of you, the supportive inner coach, we need to turn up the volume on that aspect of mm. everything's going to be okay. We can make it through this, the self-confidence. Right. Part of resolving conflicts is believing that I, I can make it through this, you know, so because mm -hmm. your body, as long as it's getting the message that you're alone, you you need help. This is not OK. Adaptation is necessary for your survival is the message that your ancient system is getting. And so you've got to flip the switch. We've got to figure out a way, even if your external environment hasn't changed, because, you know, Dr. Hammer's solution is like if you change what's going on. You know, if you lost, you know, if your pet passed away and that's what's traumatizing to you and was a conflict for you, get a new pet. You know, yeah. if you, if you lost a partner, get a new partner, like yes. and do something different in your external world. That's going to be the, the most quick way to resolve a conflict. But a lot of mm -hmm. times if that's not possible, or at least not yet, you've got to change within before the external can change and that's so that really cool and that makes so much sense and i'll be transparent with you in the audience like i've been having some difficulty over the last few days with the family text thread and you know i i my parents you know are very into the allopathic system they're both medical people and you know i expressed to my parents uh several months ago you know i am concerned and i can i just share some information about the jab <laughs> And um, they, they saw that I was coming from a place of love. So they said, sure, as long as you don't share it on the text thread of the family, just share it with me and your father. I said, okay. But then I came across something. I, it was actually that death of the germ theory 2021 by Sasha Stone with, I don't know if you saw it with like Christian Northrup and Tom Cowan and Andy Kaufman. And it was a great talk. And there was one little thing that um, one of the doctors was saying about the jab. And I just felt really compelled to send that to the family thread. And I said, you know, I'm not trying to shove this down your throats, but I care about you guys and I love you. And I just wanted to share this with you. And if you're interested, I could send you the whole link to the hour long presentation. So my dad said, sure, yeah, send us the whole link. And so anybody, no, nobody, you know, liked it or <laughs> put a heart on it or anything. And I didn't really expect them to. But then I noticed this morning, like my brother sent something about, you know, gay, some New York Times article, gay people, you know, because I'm the only openly not 100% heterosexual person in the family. So, you know, I could tell it was pointed towards me. It was some article, you know, I, he said, I really feel the need to share this with you guys, you know, because it is also compelling. And it was basically gay people are, you know, not trusting the jab, and they're more apt to get infected and diseased. So they should be taking the jab. And I thought, geez, like for my brother to put that on the thread, it was a bit of a shock. Mm. And I was just listening to Tara Brock, who's a meditation teacher talking about, you know, re responding versus reacting. So it was so synchronistic. So I took some deep breaths, 
but um, you know, it's, I just wanted to share that with the audience. Cause I feel like that's sort of like an example of a, of an unexpected shock. I was like, dude, like, that's not a very nice thing to send. Like, you know, that I question the allopathic system for you to send that and single me out on the family text thread did feel a little bit like a conflict shock. Mm. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of psyche talk, you know, even now I'm just like, it's okay, William, you have another tribe, you have another family, you know, your biological family, you are kind of the black sheep of the family. That's okay. You've cultivated this huge family. You're not alone, you know? So I'm telling myself this and it, it feels better. Like I can't necessarily change things. I can't make my family understand, but I can talk to my psyche. And I, you know, I'm talking with this amazing Dr. Melissa Sell, who I've been admiring for five years, for three years, four years, something like that, you know? And, and so, yeah, it's, it's all about talking to the psyche, isn't it? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And downgrading and it's supporting and looking at the meaning. So in that moment, when that was received, this message, there's like layers, layers of, you know, self-devaluation and worth. And, you know, there's just the, the surprise of this or indigestible morsel, potentially mm. I process. I can't accept that you would do this. And what does it mean that you did this? And so a lot of times we do, we have to kind of sort through why was this able to affect me in the way that it was? How can I reorganize my psyche uh, so that if something like this should happen again, that I would have this kind of um, separation that I'd be able, I call it the mental mudroom, <laughs> that like when oh, things like that. happen, <laughs> that you don't let it kind of right into your heart space. You don't yes. let you know, these, these thoughts or these, you know, information from a text thread, from anything out in the world, right into your emotional center, you kind of, you have this separation and you, you look at it, you look at it from different angles and maybe you need to, you know, clean it off before you allow it in or do something different with your perception of it so that, you know, you buffer yourself from these shocks. And I do believe, you know, mm -hmm. while obviously you cannot fully protect yourself from conflict shocks because that's like the nature of them is that they're shocking and they happen out of nowhere and you you know you weren't prepared for them which is a very important distinction for those listening um the difference between stress and a conflict shock because sometimes people will learn about gnm right. and they'll they'll start getting paranoid or freaked out anytime they're freaked out or anytime <laughs> they're they're stressed or worried and they'll say oh no this is causing cancer and you can take a deep breath because that's not the case because predictable upsets, things that, you know, that are just stressful and you know that you've got all these things to do when you're stressed out, that, that does not in and of itself equate a conflict shock. That's going to lead to tissue adaptations that may potentially be diagnosed as, you know, quote cancer, right? It is something that really does catch you off guard sufficiently in order to activate a biological program. Now, that being said, there are more subtle and ongoing types of biological programs that can be more kind of weaved into your everyday experience, especially things that have become chronic, like chronic mm -hmm. pain, chronic self-devaluation. You might not think much of it, but if you are constantly critical of yourself inside of your mind, you may not think of that as, as a self-devaluation because it's just how you talk to yourself inside of your head, outside of your awareness. And so there are a lot of layers to it, but um, first and foremost, just stress in general does not activate a biological program. It has to be a sufficient shock that catches you off guard that causes the body to adapt and, um, and right. set off a biological program. Right. Thank you for that clarification. Um, so let's just run through the, the laws. My favorite, I have to say, is the fourth law, but let's we'll go through all of them. 
<laughs> They're all good, but I really love the fourth law. <laughs> yeah. So psyche brain organ. So this is what we've been talking about. Your psyche is not just your mind. It's like your whole beingness. It's your nervous system. That's picking up on everything from your environment. And so everything starts with the psyche. Something catches you off guard. That's the conflict shock also called the DHS standing for Dirk Homer syndrome. If your audience, I'm not sure if they're familiar with Dr. Homer's story. Some will way, be and some not. Yeah. The way he discovered all of this was that his son, his 17 year old old son was shot and killed. He died three months after he was shot. And then Dr. Homer developed testicular cancer. And so this set him on the journey of there had to have been a connection between this shocking loss that I suffered and this cancer development. He went on, um, he worked in an oncology unit and had access to cancer patients and he started noticing this pattern. So not only did all of the people that had cancer suffer some type of shock in the years prior to their diagnosis, but he started to see specific types of shock. So everyone who had testicular cancer had a loss conflict. Everyone who had a glandular breast cancer had a nest worry. Everyone who had lung cancer had a death fright conflict. Colon cancer had an indigestible morsel. So he started seeing these themes related to the type of shocking incident that the person suffered and their tissue adaptation or their cancer. And then he looked in the brain. So this is the brain component, the psyche, the brain controls every different part of your body. There is a location in your brain that is the center for the tissue function of that portion of your body. And so when you have a shock, when something catches you off guard and you have activated biological program, there is a specific region in your brain that is impacted. And this can be seen on CT scan and it's a circle. It's like this, um, this ring formation that is in a specific location. And there are people who are trained. I wish I was trained. I'm not trained in this uh, amazing uh, science of reading the brain scans, brain CT scans to see by looking at the area of the brain and what the ring formation, um, the way it's presenting can tell us if you're in an active conflict right now, if that conflict has been resolved and you're in the tissue restoration phase, this is all very, very cool stuff because it also lends this additional credibility to GNM that this is objectively verifiable, these mm -hmm. ring formations in the brain. And so- And it's like a ball of energy, right? <clears throat> A great way to describe it yes like a, a mm -hmm. AI, it's Math. called like a hamisher herd yes Hom Hommer. Hommer Double, you got it nice <laughs> nice <laughs> and um and yeah so those can be read these brain scans which is incredible i currently refer out to other people to have them read i don't you don't need them though because the organ component. So the, the shock takes place the area in the brain is impacted and then there's tissue adaptation and so on the organ level, there's either going to be cellular growth, cellular loss, or functional loss. So some type of change is taking place during the active conflict, and this is to facilitate a biological purpose. Depending on the program, the biological purpose is either fulfilled during the active conflict. So an example of that are like the old brain tissues and mm -hmm. these ones grow during the conflict active phase. So when I am experiencing a death fright right now, additional lung alveoli cells are growing right now in order to absorb more oxygen, get more oxygen in my blood so I can get out of the situation. 
or more digestive cells are growing right now to produce more digestive juices so I can digest this unacceptable, indigestible morsel. I see. So a shock happens if the psyche um, uh, registers it as something severe enough, it can initiate this homisher herd, this concentric ring, a ball of energy, say in the brainstem, say it's a death fright conflict affecting the lung alveoli. So it's somewhere in the brainstem, which is controlling the lung alveoli tissues. And that ball signals the tissues to start to proliferate right after the shock happens to try to absorb more air morsels. Is that right? You got it. That's exactly okay. right. And so that the biological purpose is being fulfilled during the active conflict. Um, so again, psyche, death, fright, brain, brainstem, organ, lung alveoli. And so that those three steps for every single tissue type in the body, there's going to be the psyche, the brain, the organ. Um, and so depending on, and we'll get to this in the third biological law, what type of shock, which type of tissue, what area of the brain is all specified based upon the conflict content. So what is it that happened and what tissues are going to best be adapted for your survival in that situation? Hmm. And multiple conflicts can happen sometimes at the same time. Yes. Yeah. So it can yeah. get a little bit tricky sometimes. Let me just look. I have my little questions here for you. <laughs> um, okay. So Actually, let's go on to the third law, and then I've got some questions once we get to the fourth. Okay. Do we want to do two or just want to go right to three? Oh, sorry. Two. Yes. So, <laughs> and let me, so let's test me. Okay. So the second law is every so-called dis-ease, which is really a significant biological special program of nature, is comprised of two segments, as it were. So there's the DHS, the shock, and then there's the stress phase, uh, sympathicotonic, uh, sympathicotonia phase. And then if the body mind uh, psyche complex feels safe enough, or if the conflict is um, resolved, then there's the second phase, which is the vagatonic warm healing phase. And within that healing phase, there is a little blip in the middle, which we call a epicrisis, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a quick little blick back into a stress phase, which pushes out any sort of um, edema that might have uh, formed in the brain at that Hamasha herd site. Is that right? Perfect. Absolutely. Okay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and this chart is so important for every person to learn. You've got to learn this because this, again, it's how your body functions. Normally we are in this normal day night rhythm. We are in homeostasis during the day. We're more sympathetic active at night, rest and digest. And we want to mm -hmm. be in that nice rhythm day, night, day, night. The moment you have that shock, you're in sympathicotonia. That means heightened sympathetic, M more familiar. People would be like fight, fight or flight, right. heightened fight or flight. So your body is on alert. You're not sleeping, cold hands. You're, you're not eating. You are preoccupied with the conflict. And so depending on the length and intensity of that conflict phase, that is determining how much tissue is being adapted, how much conflict mass is taking place in the brain. It's, it's all dependent on what's going on during this conflict um, segment. And then, like you said, hopefully, that, that's what Dr. Hammer says, if there is a resolution, right? if you resolve the conflict, then you shift gears, you move into the parasympathetic, which is, so whatever adaptation took place during conflict activity. So once again, mm -hmm. either tissue growth, tissue loss or functional loss. Now during that second phase, 
is when the, we have to set it back to normal. So if there's tissue addition, we have extra cells, we have a, you know, a tumor, now that needs to be decomposed and broken down. If there was tissue loss or erosion, that tissue needs to be refilled and restored. Um, if there was functional loss, we need to um, restore the function. And nice. halfway through, yep, there's going to be this epicrisis, this big squeeze where this, the, the fluid is squeezed out of the brain region and the tissue region because all healing happens in a fluid environment. So right. during the first phase of healing, this is when you get sick quotes around the word sick, because you're not really sick. You're, you're never actually sick. You're always either adapting or repairing. Right. And so if you can wrap your mind around this, this is going to help you tremendously because when you're swollen, when you're inflamed, when you're in pain, when you have a headache, you are healing, you are right and restoring. And I love that because Carl Jung said, what you resist persists. So for, oh shit, I don't like this symptom. Oh, it's bad, 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 bigger, bigger, bigger. Add in a kidney collecting tubule, fish out of water conflict right there. You know? So I just love this approach of this German uh, new medicine because it's, we're letting go of the social tendency to push against symptoms. Absolutely. Reframing these symptoms, understanding them, even if they are intense, because that's, you know, this, this process, it's like birth in, in many, right. you know, even like pregnancy and birth, it follows the law of two, it follows the same type of program mm -hmm. because it's a biological program. It's so amazing. The, you know, the arc, the, if you look at the, yes. and down, I've seen the, that. Yeah. It's in music too. It's in, right. Um, in composition, which is just amazing. Um, there's this uh, Giovanni, uh, she, Giovanna Conti, she. Mm, I met her. Yeah. Oh, you did? That's yeah, awesome. she's a beautiful, I think she was playing piano uh, at this church in Vancouver. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Oh, that's so incredible. good. Well, yeah. yeah, she linked up with Dr. Hammer and found, you know, this, this rhythm is in, it's in music, it's in nature. And so this is kind of part of the, you know, the amazing aspect of nature that's just woven through right. everything. You know, and I just want to say with your analogy to birth, in our culture, we've been conditioned to believe that birth is always extremely painful and intense and oh my goodness, epidural. Whereas in other cultures and times and places, birth was um, often considered to be orgasmic, right? Yeah. So that, that makes me think, you know, with dis-ease, with these programs, we can be scared of symptoms or maybe they can be kind of juicy, you know, like maybe it's like, oh, I'm healing my body's like, oh, I'm coming back into balance. Hallelujah. You know? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I love that so much. Yes. With the birth analogy, because the, you know, in the way that you approach it, if you approach it with fear and trepidation, and this is going to be hard and I want to numb it and I don't want to feel it, you know, the, there's consequences to not feeling what is meant to be felt, not experiencing right. what is meant to be experienced. Because, you know, when you take it to a spiritual level of this healing and evolution and, you know, personal evolution, I feel like comes from resolution. When you mm -hmm. have a conflict and you're dealing with something and you're coming to terms with, you know, a self-devaluation or a loss or, you know, something that you've been struggling with, you know, and you were conflicted about it and you lost sleep and your body adapted and it was like this whole thing going on and then you resolved it. And now you are going through this kind of, you know, this 
evolution. You are changing. Your tissues are changing. Your body is changing. And if you can look at this as this growth process of you're giving birth mm. to a new you, you're giving, oh, I love that. A, giving birth to a version of you that has not only experienced this loss or this devastation or this shock, but you have integrated it and you've upgraded yourself so that, mm -hmm. you know, should something like this come around again, you now have equipment, you now have tools for either shifting quickly or preventing altogether. And so it's kind of, you know, when you, you can take it to that level where you see, you know, like giving birth, it's a, you know, birthing this new being into the world, but you're birthing yourself as this mother. I mean, it's a, it's a whole amazing process. Mm -hmm. It is to go through a biological program. And if you can see it in that way and see when I have pain, when it hurts so bad, you know, when I, when there's this big squeeze, seeing yourself on the other side of it, seeing the strong, resilient uh, version of you who made it through um, really can help you to have that resolve while you're going through what, what can at times be, you know, a, a difficult and painful uh, process. Right. Amen. Amen to that. Okay. So we've done the second law. Now the third law, let me, the ontogenic system of tumors. Yes, the ontogenetic okay. system. Ontogenetic, of thank you. And tumor equivalents. <laughs> and tumor equivalents. There we go. <laughs> we want to test you. Okay. Oh no, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> I know that in in old brain programs, there's a tissue growth, right? So that that would be in the stress phase, and then a breaking down. Uh, cerebral control programs or the cortex, that would be um, if viruses exist, they would help in the rebuilding of tissue. So there'd be a tissue minus in the stress phase and a tissue reparation or restoration in the healing phase. Uh, and then it gets a little bit more murky. So I'll let you take the reins. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So we've got the old brain tissues, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, and so these are controlled from the brainstem. This is this endodermal tissue. And so these tissues are concerned with very basic functions like eating, uh, breathing, and reproducing. And so these tissues during active conflict, there's tissue proliferation. And then during the resolution phase, there is tissue decomposition using ancient bacteria, tubercular bacteria, and fungus. And so then we have um, the, the next area, we have the uh, cerebellum. And so these are also old brain of, uh, they're actually the, the old part of the middle brain. Right. So it, 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 yeah. So the uh, mesoderm is divided into old mesoderm and new mesoderm. And the old mesoderm is controlled from the cerebellum. And these ones behave like the old brain tissues. And so this, right. these tissues are concerned with protection. And so this has to do with like the dermal skin, the deeper layer of our skin the peritoneum, uh, the pericardium. So there are these protective layers of the body. And mm -hmm. so these tissues during active conflict, once again, they proliferate and they proliferate. I love to think of it as like a little shield. The body is oh, creating yeah. protection yeah. for you. Like in the example of acne, you know, when you feel attacked or you feel soiled, uh, your body builds a little shield in the deeper layer of the skin. And then once that conflict is resolved, there is breakdown using bacteria. And that's when you have a pimple or, you know, that the pussy zit. It's not that the bacteria caused the acne. It's that you experienced a conflict shock. There was adaptation with this uh, proliferation of the tissue. And then there's breakdown. And then we have the new mesoderm which is controlled from the cerebral medulla. And this is where things change. 
So the tissues of the cerebral medulla, there is tissue loss during the act of conflict. And so this is the, the connective tissues of our body. So bones, um, ligaments, lymphatic system, fat tissue, these tissues respond to self-value. So self-devaluation, when you're not feeling good enough, strong enough, smart enough, pretty enough, good enough for something. Like you can't keep up, physically not good enough. There is tissue erosion. And so the, this, this program is very different than the other ones because the, um, the biological purpose isn't served until after the conflict has been resolved. And so there's mm -hmm. tissue loss during the active conflict. And then once you resolve the conflict, the body builds back stronger. So it builds the, the muscle or the bone tissue or the lymphatic tissue and makes it stronger, bigger, more robust. That's the, the biological purpose. And then we have, uh, like you mentioned, the new brain, which is the cerebral cortex. This is the ectodermal um, derived tissues. And so these are like the surface tissues of the, the outside of the skin, the epidermis, the linings of ducts. Mm -hmm. um, and so this conflict, there's tissue loss during the active conflict. And this whole purpose has to do with, um, so let's say there's a separation conflict. Someone who you're close with, you're separated from, or you know, a baby is separated from its mother, potentially at birth. They, they take the baby away, they you know go and wash it and do all sorts of stuff. And the baby's like, where's my mother? <laughs> I've been inside this person. And now, <laughs> and, um, and so there's a sense of separation. And when you have this, this sense of separation, the body adapts by um, decreasing the tissue cells. And this is to numb. This is, it's very, it's very purposeful. It's to numb the loss, numb the separation. There's also um, memory loss, short-term memory loss. If you right. The example of like a cat who loses its kittens, it, it forgets about them because it makes it easier than to be sad and to be remembering this one that was lost. And so the separation conflict, there's tissue loss. And then once you um, resolve that conflict, when you, you know, are no longer separated, there's tissue restoration. And mm. during the tissue restoration, for the example of the epidermis, there's an itchy rash. There's inflammation and it's red and it's uncomfortable and it hurts, but it is the tissue repair process that is causing those symptoms. And so this is kind of this compass of GNM is so you can understand where is the symptom showing up? Okay, so this symptom is in this type of tissue. This is how it's behaving, either tissue loss or tissue um, repair. And so this helps us to understand and guide our understanding of what tissue does what and why. That's so cool. My one question that comes up is for the bone programs. So the, the biological purpose is at the very end. So during the stress phase, is it just because the body, why, why, why is there that sort of wasting of the bones at that time? There, the, the, the fact that there's, um, it's like a renovation process. So if you think okay. of like this house isn't strong enough. This house, we need to make this house stronger so that it can withstand a storm. And so to mm -hmm. make a house stronger, you can't just like put up boards on the outside of the house. You have right. to cut it. You kind of have I to see. cut it and renovate so that you can reinforce from the inside out. And so that's I this see. renovation. Also kind of on a spiritual level, this like feeling less than, like yeah. there's this loss of tissue. Like I'm not feeling enough. And so my body is like wasting away in this way, but 
Um, it's really for the biological purpose of restoration, but this renovation project is kind of um, what's happening during the active conflict. That makes so much sense. Thank you. Okay, let's move on to number four. Number four. Which <laughs> I love number four so much. It was like life, game changing, life changing. Um, so it's basically the understanding that all these different types of microbes, we are made up of 10 to one microbe. For every one human cell, there are 10 microbial cells of bacteria, fungi, mycobacteria, uh, viruses, all of these different particles um, that are actually not there to hurt us. Like we've evolved alongside them for millions and millions and millions of years. And they've been here long before we came into being. And they're there to help us, you know? And, and I just love that understanding. Like if there's a bunch of fires around the city and then the firemen show up, we don't blame the firemen for the fire. Or if the flies start to go around the garbage or if the mushroom starts to decompose the tree, we don't, we don't blame it. It's, it's there doing, it's serving a function to either break down or rebuild tissue. So yeah. That there sort of it? is no microbial enemy. You did perfect. Yes. That was exactly. Uh, that that's what the fourth biological law is: is this understanding that there are no little microbial enemies who are trying to get in your body and cause problems. And that is one of the biggest misconceptions, lies, deceptions, if you will, of this day and age. You know, the last 200 years we have been, and it's so profitable for people to believe in the microbial enemy and for people just to acknowledge mm -hmm. and to see that if we didn't believe in the germ theory, everything mm -hmm. would be different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everything about modern life. Yes, that book, book is incredible. Virus Mania by Torsten Engelbrecht and Klaus Konlein. I'll leave that in the show notes. And then this one is really good too. It's about the whole AIDS hoax, Fear of the Invisible by Janine Roberts. And it's actually got all the the photocopies of the original papers where Gallo um, changed, scratched things out. <laughs> it's not very scientific. You know, going from the probable cause of AIDS is this to the cause of AIDS at a at a press conference. Like it's all, it's very revealing. But yeah. um, some people say, like, like I was at a German New Medicine conference and somebody said, if you go to another continent where your body is not used to the certain microbial milieu of that new continent and you're going through some sort of healing, those new microbes will be used in the healing uh, phase and it could be potentially a very spicy healing because they're your body's not used to those specific microbes. What would you say on that? Yes, that 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 is absolutely what I've learned as well is that, you know, so you go into a new environment and it's not that just the new environment in and of itself initiates symptoms as is typically thought, but mm -hmm. some people go and they travel to this new place and don't have symptoms. So the, the person that had symptoms that indicates that they were in a resolution phase and they've picked up all of these new bacterial buddies from this new environment. And I love that description of spicy and, <laughs> you know, an elevated uh, healing phase because we've got new players in the game doing their thing. And so, yes, when you travel and you expose, you know, your ecology to a new ecology, there is kind of this assimilation that has to take place. And if you're in a healing phase, that uh, definitely can be unusual for you because there's new bacteria that are present. And so, 
but getting out of the idea, and this is just by, by self-observation, you can really start to disillusion the idea that bacteria and microbes cause problems, cause mm. the issue. It is our beliefs in, in the danger of bacteria. I was having a conversation with someone earlier today about, you know, just the, the visuals we have in our mind of, of bacteria transferring from place to place and it getting in the body. And I remember when, you know, kind of all this, you know, COVID mania began, I watched a video just to see like, okay, what are people taking in? I watched this video that had like millions of views and it's like this, it's completely CGI, just kind of cartoon of this is what it does. And it gets in and then it gets into your, you know, it plants into your, you know, the, the lining of your lungs and it replicates and it replicates and it causes all of these problems. And I'm like, people really believe that that's how it works. And if you can yeah. implant kind of imagery into a person's psyche they will believe that that's how it works because that's what they were taught. That's what they were told. And I've seen yes. that work with me, even in commercials, the, like when you watch a commercial and you see, I, for the longest time, Neutrogena commercial of a bacteria getting down into the pore, that's what was burned into my mind about how acne happens. And then that is literally on some level, a bit of an attack feeling soiled conflict. In it could, it could be. <laughs> Yes. And the imagery, the CGI of the virus, that is like an attack feeling that could that could cause a lot of um, conflict shocks, potentially. Absolutely. And so looking at how do you conceptualize these ideas? How do you see it in your mind? Because part of dismantling this is going to have to be you seeing it differently you no longer fearing, you know, uh, an unwashed hand <laughs> or a sneeze, you know, cause when you have this, when you've watched the, you know, the cartoon of the person sneezing and all the sneeze particles going out and, and the, you know, all the things that are in, you know, one droplet, you have this idea and it creates this fear. It creates this sense of separation. It creates this sense of external danger this isn't okay. I'm not safe. You're trying to harm me. And this is the whole thing with the masks and people feeling threatened and being concerned. And it's in little do they know they're concerned about nothing. Their, their concern is real, but the, the microbe that causes illness is not real at all. It's a boogeyman. It is a made up story that fits a narrative that sells a lot of products. Yes. And even Louis Pasteur, who came up with the germ theory, still a theory, people, he even said on his deathbed, it is the terrain is everything. The microbe is nothing. So even the dude who came up with the hoax revealed that he realized that it was a hoax as he was dying. Too late though, because you know, yeah. once you get, you know, once that narrative is out there, I can sell you so many remedies and so right. many preventatives and so many things. Uh, and that and we're seeing that in the naturopathic world too. You know, it's the naturopathic world in Canada at least is becoming very allopathic in that respect. And it's a great way to sell a lot of antiviral, antibacterial herbology products. So we see it, we see it everywhere. Even there's a company I love to get skin products from, and I saw suffer from mask knee, you know, all the microbes, you can use this product. So it's very ingrained, isn't it? It's so ingrained. And, you know, there has to be a desire to, to, to know the truth and to live without fear. Cause so many people right. they're willing to live in a state of fear 
and they don't investigate, you know, and obviously I'm sure no, the people that listen to a podcast like yours certainly are investigating these things and, and trying it on. But even if you're interested in it, it does, it takes time to unravel the, you know, the deep programming of the germ theory and you have right. to test it and you have to look at yourself and say, mm, am I fearing this germ? Am I fearing, you know, touching this doorknob or, you know, that I need to, sanitize or, you know, wash things off, you know, what am I afraid of? Right. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Dr. Zach Bush at all. I am familiar with him, uh, but I haven't explored his work very much. Okay. Cause he's, he's interesting. He's sort of, to me, kind of as a bit of a bridge between the allopathic and the Germanic new medicine understandings of, of how microbes work. And so sometimes if I feel like a certain friend isn't quite ready to understand dramatic new medicine, I'll send something from Dr. Zach Bush. My favorite medical doctor right now is um, Dr. Andy Kaufman, because I feel like he just gets it. And you, I've seen you've spoken with him along with Andy Lockmeers um, several times now, and I've really loved your talks. Um, we've been having great conversations and he, yeah, he's such a, it's amazing just the, what the work he's done, um, through all of the COVID stuff and, and sharing with people and helping to dismantle this virus idea that, you know, you can have all of these papers. And that was one of our, my videos that I've been, or his videos that I've been sharing again and again and again, all throughout this fiasco is like, look at the papers. Don't look yes. at the conclusion, <laughs> don't look at the title even of the video Oh, the, or the, the paper, oh, COVID has been isolated. And people say, okay, yeah, of course it has been. It's on a paper. But if you look at the fine print, which is what he's done, is like, yeah. look at this. Not yeah. anywhere here can you say that this has been isolated, which means you can't- Or that it's been caused, or that it can cause a disease. It's never been scientifically <laughs> proven. It's so, it's so crazy, really. Um, so, okay, so this is what Dr. Zach Bush said recently in a, in a talk about what happened last year. It was a three-hour talk, uh, and he was referring to HIV AIDS. Uh, viruses, you know, like HIV AIDS, COVID, they're not an attack mechanism, but, and I don't know if I agree with this, but this is just what he said, but a new adaptive, but new, be they're not an attack mechanism, but new adaptive behavior from our immune system. So in German, German new medicine, we say the body brain psyche, for example, a different, oh no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Viruses are forcing adaptation for our immune system to have a higher intelligence. We know immune system doesn't exist, but we could say maybe the, the robustness of the body. Shake off the fear and start to focus on biology as a single phenomenon. Um, it's all of life at once communicating through what he calls the virome. And he says that's kind of like all the viruses in the ocean in our bodies and the whole world. There's some sort of communication happening. What would you say to that? See, I don't know if I buy it. Yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. And so I, I same um, with this whole idea that viruses are some type of up leveling um, certainly is a perception that could be very helpful as a bridge. Um, but it makes much more sense to me that this, it, that it is simply a byproduct of an adaptation that took place in the body. You know, right. so if there was a territorial fear conflict, erosion, widening of the bronchial mucosa, and then during the restoration phase, when you're coughing and feverish, 
um, they swab and they say, oh, there's there's something there. It's simply like Dr. Kaufman has identified as, a, as an exosome is what makes the most sense is that it's simply a byproduct. And if it's doing something, perhaps it is, you know, an intelligent um, agent within the body that's informing uh, the body of something that this, this process is taking place. Um, that would be consistent with what Dr. Homer said. If viruses exist, they are there during the restoration phase and they're serving some type of functional purpose. And so that is what makes the most sense to me. You know, when you look at all these different, you know, viruses like, um, like HPV, oh, it causes cervical cancer. Well, it doesn't cause cervical cancer. That's never, ever, ever been proven. But if there is something that they identify as HPV in, um, you know, in the cervix region of a female who has abnormal cells, that simply tells me that she had a sexual separation, a sexual frustration conflict, and she's either in the tissue adaptation phase or the repair phase. And this little particle has nothing to do with it. It is not a causative agent. So he did get that right. part. Right. It's not a causative agent. It's not there with a nefarious agenda to cause problems within your body. Please work to get that idea out of your mind. Unbrainwash yourself. Yes. Thank you. I, um, I was so proud of uh, Dr. Kaufman when he was on that Zoom chat with uh, Judy Mekovitz. Did you see that? I did see that. That was awesome. I was so upset when he got kicked off. I was so upset, but I was really proud of him for, for really pushing lovingly and assertively to the fact like, Judy, you guys never isolated anything. And then she got so upset when we saw the AIDS patient on, you know, the air flight attendant from Montreal and I swabbed his mouth. That doesn't mean anything, Judy. And the fact that she got so upset and enraged when somebody does that, you kind of go, well, what's, you know, I think you're, it's like, um, I feel like she kind of understood what he was getting at and she didn't want to go there because her whole career is based upon virology. Yes. If, if you were backed by truth, you wouldn't be angry. You'd be right. calm and you'd continue to explain your perspective, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't get angry. And so that's why um, Dr. Kaufman was very calm. Yeah, he's super calm. <laughs> and, you know, and he just continued to, um, to show and reveal that what you're saying, the words that you're using, and that's what people get so confused. And this is, you know, what is so detrimental to, you know, the public at large and the lay person is we just assume, I think of someone like my dad, like my, my dad is not, he's not investigating anything. He's not interested in the fine print or the details. He's interested in the headline, maybe. And, you know, but bottom line, what do I have to do? How do I get to keep living my life and doing the things, you know, and I, luckily my parents, they're, they're, they're good enough to, you know, they're not going to go get the, you know, the jab or anything, but um, they're still not, you know, fully understanding and com computing the fact that what is being taught, what is being told to us is not accurate. It is not a reflection of what is actually happening. I mean, same with cancer, the story of cancer, mm -hmm. you know, um, I talk to people almost every day who have some type of diagnosis and the, you know, the, the mission is to get rid of the cancer, kill to the cancer, fight it, the body, fight the cancer, but what you fight, you strengthen. <laughs> and it's like, why is it there to begin with? Why did your body develop these cells? Do mm -hmm. we live in a random world where just random things happen? No, we live in an ordered universe. We live in a world of cause and effect. 
things happen for specific reasons. If you go after the effect, if you go after you know, the virus or the bacteria or the cancer without understanding the cause, you're just going to be, you know, going after remedy after remedy, surgery after surgery, you're going after an effect, you're not getting to the cause. And if you, you know, believe, don't understand that the cause is within you, it's within the psyche, it's within your yes. perception. It's within and so how about from this place, I feel like this would be a good, because I can hear people who are going to be listening saying, well, then how come all those people in the 80s died of AIDS? And then they'll say, well, how come all the people now are dying? So maybe I can address the 80s thing because I've done some research on that. And then maybe you can address the current day pandemic. So from my understanding, the individuals who were diagnosed with this, it was called gay-related immune disease or disorder. It was not called AIDS initially. They were men who were living what we call the fast-track lifestyle, sniffing amyl nitrates, doing heroin, crystal meth, uh, cocaine, all of these street drugs. And then there was something, I learned this from Stefan Lanka. I got to speak with him on the phone a few years ago. It was amazing. He said that they were taking Cipro, which is like a very, very um, potent, uh, toxic, uh, lethal um, chemotherapy drug, using it as an antibiotic in the gay bars of these city centers of New York, uh, Vancouver, you know, all these big hotspots, um, LA, uh, San Francisco. And so they were literally taking the Cipro by the handful, hoping that they wouldn't get STDs. So they were destroying their microbial milieu with these very, very toxic antibiotics quite often, sniffing the amyl nitrate, which is basically putting your nose up to a car exhaust pipe. So, I mean, of course, you're going to get some conflict shocks. And of course, you're going to be quite toxic. And you're going to start to exhibit symptoms. And so um, I won't get into all of it. But I think we have to understand that piece. Uh, and then we also have to understand that um, a lot of the drugs that were being given to these, these men who were exhibiting symptoms were extremely toxic on top of that. For example, AZT. Um, was a chemotherapy drug shelved in the 60s for being too toxic for human consumption. Well, Fauci thought, let's give that to the gay guys, you know, and in extremely high doses. Uh, there was a movie, it was Apologist at the end, but parts of the movie were quite good, I found, with Matthew McConaughey called uh, Dallas Buyers Club. And um, it's sort of, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, there were certain things because they showed, at least they showed in this very mainstream movie that they were giving extremely high doses of this drug to these gay men. So that's one piece. But then let's get even deeper. And that's what I like about the work of Louise L. Hay. Many of these men were kicked out of their houses by their families, constantly fearing for their lives, being called faggot while being chased up the street. You know, I, I came out as not 100% straight when I was 17, and I actually had moved to New York City. And I experienced firsthand what it's like to hold hands with another person of the same gender and then have somebody with a switchblade start to chase you up the street while calling you a faggot. It's very, very scary. And it does a number on your psyche. And as we're sharing, the psyche is connected to the brain and the body. The psyche is like another word for soul. It's all connected. We can't separate it. That Cartesian duality that uh, Bruce Lipton talks about in the biology of belief is, is so false, you know? And it's just a historical thing because the church kind of took hold of the soul or the psyche and then they gave the body to medicine. It's an artificial split. So I really just want to say that I personally believe that, yes, all of the toxicities and drug use that was there, 
but there was this huge other cause of why everybody was dying. And that was what was happening in terms of conflict shocks. Like there, there are certain ancient tribes where um, if somebody committed a crime, they would stand in the, they would be put in the middle of the tribe. And then the witch doctor would take the bone and point them and say, you are dead to us. And invariably they would die within a few days just by saying, you're going to die. They would die. Um, and then I can hear people saying, well, what about Africa? I've seen all the AIDS babies in Africa. And we just want to say, I've done some research. You can watch house of numbers on YouTube. I got to speak with a director. There's something called the Bongui definition, which means a doctor can look at somebody and go, you've lost some weight. You got some candida, you've got AIDS and exactly like that point the bone at them. And then in many of these African villages, when the Western doctor does that, they go, oh shit, this person has a demon inside them. So they ostracize them from the community. They don't feed them and they die of AIDS. So there's so much more going on than what we've been fed. And um, I think that's all I need to say about, about that whole situation. Uh, if you want to add anything. Um, yeah, and, and that's so many ways in which a diagnosis is a curse. It's a spell cast right. over you because it, it, it's like a whole package of information. And if you don't have an alternate perspective and you don't have an understanding that, okay, I, I can understand why a medical doctor would give me this diagnosis, you know, because I work with people who kind of straddle both realms of yeah. uh, GNM and uh, allopathy. And so they're able to go in that world and understand through the GNM lens what the doctor is saying. But most people do not have that alternate perspective. All they have is you have COVID, you have cancer, you have this. And so that comes along with so much baggage, additional conflict, a diagnosis shock in and of itself is just this shock of, am I going to die? Kidney collecting tubule, death, right? Conflict, you name it, you know, with like the people, the argument of, well, people are dying. People die every year. That's true. People do die. And that is a, you know, just a fact of reality. You know, the reasons for people's death though, um, is multifaceted. And so we have, and that's why I, you know, I have a hard time with statistics and I have a hard mm -hmm. time with like large numbers because that doesn't tell me anything about one individual. And right. that's what I care about. I care about one individual and their experience. And I know if I had a list of their symptoms, I'd be able to understand what that person was experiencing and what led to their death. You know, like you said, as far as the interventions, um, iatrogenesis medical induced death is the third leading cause, probably actually number one, but you know, technically the third leading cause of death um, in the United States, the treatments that are given to help people often kill them. And this is you know, not a debatable fact. And especially when you look at what was being done in the hospital system, the COVID protocols were horrific. And nurses, tons of nurses were coming out saying, I don't know why we're doing what we're doing. These protocols, you know, these ventilators, the way that we're treating this is literally killing people. And, you know, when you look at the numbers and the money and, you know, how much hospitals were getting for COVID, I mean, everything about what happened last year was sketchy and definitely there was so much more to it. And, and when you look at this, I love, I don't know who said this, but I feel like the best description of what's happened over the last year is simply a rebranding of the flu. Oh, we yeah. 
rebranded it. And now we have so much, you know, this lockdown and the control and the mass and all of it for something that is just typically something, you know, a certain number of people experience, you know, the flu from the GNM perspective um, has a, a couple of different components. You know, if you're having a cough with a fever, that's a territorial fear type of conflict. If you've got body aches, that's a self-devaluation conflict. If you've lost your sense of smell or if you, you know, or your taste, if we have a, a separation, a, a scent conflict, a stink conflict. Um, and so it's layered conflict and it's just mm -hmm. symptoms that you're experiencing as a result of a normal biological program. And if you didn't intervene extremely, you probably would be fine in most cases. And sometimes, yes, there can be more extreme uh, symptomatology depending on the intensity and the duration of the conflict, but it's so individual. And that's why right. I have a hard time saying, why did all these people die? Well, I have no idea because I don't know each of their stories. Exactly. And like how many people did die? And I was watching Tony Robbins has, is, is hip to what's going on. Even he was saying, hey, like I checked on the webs on the CDC website. It's buried deep within, but the death rates over the last five years are the same. Not more people have died this year. And then they took it down. But but even Tony Robbins is 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 aware of this. And I loved watching Wendy Williams on Dr. Oz. I don't know if you saw that clip, but that was great. Dr. Oz is like, so you're going to get the back the, the jab? And she's like, I'm not getting the vaccine. <laughs> so she's like, I'm not. and he kept pressuring her. And she's like, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody listening doesn't have to, you can do what you want. I'm not getting the vaccine. <laughs> I just loved how she said it. It was great. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, it, it bears repeating. If you haven't heard it yet, it's not a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. It is gene therapy. It is modified yes. RNA. And they have no idea how what the long-term effects yes this and this is the johnson and johnson the pfizer and there's one more and then the astrazeneca you know somebody in my family was saying well you know it's not all gene therapy astrazeneca is different it's got the real virus in it well i did some it's got monkey kidney tissues in it and aborted fetal cells yeah <laughs> look into the track record of old astrazeneca please mm. <laughs> Yes. I mean, the, the racket with cancer, I mean, it's, those companies cannot be trusted. And it, the people that are trusting the, the jab, I mean, you would think that they would be a little more curious about these big uh, billion dollar companies, you know, and the uh, ethics of these companies and what they put out into the market. I mean, it's just insane. Very yeah. much driven very little about human health you could even go anybody listening you can just go onto regular old google and just type in pfizer criminal history it's right there it's appalling yes. you know and you can go to the government website and you can look at all the offenses they've they've committed i haven't done that with astrazeneca but i will um yeah it's it's very so okay so let me play a little bit of devil's advocate with you so Dr. Zach Bush is claiming, even though Andy Kaufman has shown that no virus has new, no new novel virus has been even isolated. Dr. Zach Bush is claiming that somehow he believes that there's this new, really spicy microbe in his belief system that's come out of Wuhan, and it's all around the world, and it's this upgrade. Is there any way that we can sort of remedy these two understandings? Like, could we see it? Like if it somehow has, if it somehow is this new 
spicy microbe? Is it kind of like how in Germanic new medicine, we say, okay, we go to a new continent and it's a spicy milieu. So if you're going through a healing, it could be extra spicy. Or are we saying, Hey, wait, 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 look at the papers. There's no new virus isolated. Want to speak to that? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would agree with the latter because I mean, sure we could play in that realm and say, maybe that's what's happening, but you know, even so, so you're saying manufactured? Is that what Zach Bush is saying? Is he saying that it's like a manufactured virus? He keeps talking about, you know, he's really into glyphosate, which is a herbicide. And so he keeps, he's saying, you know, in Wuhan, there's you know the highest spraying of glyphosate, very toxic environment. And then something has manifested out of that highly toxic environment. He, I, he hasn't said whether or not he thinks it's man-made, at least I haven't seen him say that but it's some sort of very spicy thing in his his view that's come out of Wuhan. I remember him saying, you know, what we should have done as a society is once this spicy thing came out, we should have all no masks, hug your friends, go into public parks with your family and have parties. So I like that part. <laughs> yeah, that part's pretty good. I like that part. But yeah, so I, I guess because I'm just trying to get an intellectual hold on it because I'm rooted in dramatic new medicine, but I also like some of what people like Zach Bush say and people like my father, you know, I can send him something from Zach Bush and he can sort of understand it more because he's a medical doctor, psychiatrist. So we can kind of get a bit more of an intellectual hold on that rather than going right to, you know, microbes always are um, part of the healing phase and they're just like construction workers. He can't quite grasp that because he's been so in that other world for so long. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I guess I haven't spent much time pondering on that potential, but you know, ultimately we are adaptive machines. Our bodies, mm -hmm. our adaptation is what has allowed us to thrive and do our thing. And so if there's a spicy something, um, yes, the uh, solution of expose me to it. So my body can adapt and do whatever it needs to do then that would make sense if we're playing in that realm. Sure. You know, that's the body is going to adapt. And so seeing, and so this is like practically for an individual is feel strong. Do not mm -hmm. feel vulnerable. Do not feel, Oh, I am, I'm compromised. When you repeat, I am compromised. You become more compromised. Right. <laughs> this is like the biblical thing. Let the weak say I am strong. If you feel weak, if you feel vulnerable, if you feel, oh no, my, my immune system is not very good, so I'm, I'm in danger, that idea creates even more danger for you because it causes you to feel weak and vulnerable and susceptible to things outside of you, whether it's a you know spicy microbe that came out of China or you know <laughs> your friend coughing or whatever, we gotta get you feeling strong. We've gotta right. remind you who you really are, that you are this ad adaptive, amazing, biological organism who can overcome and heal from and adapt to pretty much any life situation, physical obstacle. I mean, you're incredible. And that is what we want to embody is that feeling of it doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's 5G. I don't care if it's, you know, pests, all the stuff in the environment, in the water. I can adapt. I can clean, you know, my vessel. I can stay strong. And so, and mm -hmm. I think like bottom line, end of the day, what, what do we do about it? We get strong <laughs> right. and we find ourselves how strong we really are. That, thank you. And that reminds me of what my dear friend Casta told me uh, a few years ago, he's into holistic wellness. And, and he said, 
he said, personally, in my life, I focus on building radiance rather than running from evil microbes. I focus on what I want, which is robustness, radiance, light, bringing in the light and feeling sexy and powerful and strong rather than pushing against, you know, the dark, I build radiance. And that always resonated with me. Absolutely. That totally is my message too, is we get strong, we, we radiate out and you know, that that's the thing is like darkness. And, and when you take it to that big spiritual level, ultimately darkness doesn't exist. Cold doesn't exist. It's just an absence of light. And so, right. you know, disease, disease doesn't exist. It's just an absence of light. We bring light mm-hmm. into every area of our life and you shine, um, and you are fearless and, you know, cause that's fear. Fear is darkness. Fear is outside. Fear is othering. Fear is there is danger that can get me. But when you realize and kind of dissolve and meditate into just the oneness that is every one and everything that we're mm-hmm. all putting on a play. And so, yes, when you put on a play, some, some people dress up as bad guys and uh, as the enemy, but ultimately, you know, we're all on stage together, taking a bow. And we all know that this has all been a play and you know, the more you, you know, the actors get into the play, the better the play is. And so, you know, if you can remember that you're an actor in a play uh, for all the things that you fear and, and death and disease and debt and all of the bad things happening in the world, when you can kind of see it from that cosmic perspective, it helps to, you know, just change your orientation to it. It helps mm-hmm. you to play, play more and fear less. And and not think that so much is riding on every single moment. It's like, we're here to enjoy this experience. And you can't enjoy the experience if you're fearful 24-7. Right. So what I'm hearing you say is like, say somebody wanted to go on a trip. Not that we're able to fly now, but, you know, in the past, somebody wanted to go on a trip. If you're really scared of going to Bali and getting dengue fever, you should probably work on your psyche before you go because you'll probably manifest some sort of dengue. Oh my goodness. I I know a person who has manifested so many like specific microbe issues in the body that are very rare, very unusual. This person has been able to manifest these diagnoses uh, with their consciousness because they feared it. They didn't want it. They were, you know, concerned about it or read an article about it and it filled their mind. And they, I mean, it's uncanny. Mm. And you've got to know how powerful your thoughts are, how powerful your consciousness is. And yes, work on that before you go on that trip, before you, you know, walk into something fearful, work on the fear, resolve the fear. Mm-hmm. I had Dr. I had Amanda, she doesn't like to be called Dr. I had Amanda Vollmer on my show um, a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about how um, the word virus is really an umbrella term for many different types of proteins and particles that are benign in our bodies. You know, um, like so, she talks about somatids and uh, exosomes, and Andy Kaufman talks a lot about exosomes. Can you... Um, get into a little bit about that it's sort of your understanding of what the allopathy is calling viruses there there are actually many different things in the body different types of of microbes that are there to either break down or rebuild tissue yeah the exosome um connection that and that is dr andy kaufman in his uh, videos he shows that this thing that looks exactly like this thing 
this thing they're calling a virus, this thing is an exosome. The exosome serves functions at sites of tissue damage. So if the, the mm. tissue has been injured or poisoned and the body is doing some type of cleanup process, there are cells of communication within the body, these small uh, particles, pieces of, mm. of protein that are doing something within the body. And so that is, you know, when we're looking under an electron microscope at this very, very small stuff, there are functional parts of our body. And the thing about exosomes, because um, after uh, I watched um, Dr. Kaufman's video and it kind of was brought to my attention, I started looking and, and you know, this is something that is, is growing in medicine. Is there even their understanding? And so that's mm -hmm. a big piece too, is the how much we don't know about the right. body, how much we do not know about, you know, the assumptions that we make about things. And yes. this, is, you know, I think it's arrogance and, uh -huh. um, you know, this perceptual chauvinism to assume that I'm going to look at this thing under a slide that's, you know, it's uh, the, the difference between, you know, it's not in vivo. It's not like in the living body. It's right. like outside of the body zoomed in dead blood yeah it's like i miss you're missing all of the context from right. which whatever this particle that i'm looking at is i don't know anything about the context i don't know what happens before what happens after because i'm taking a snapshot and i'm making a ton of assumptions about what's going on here that's like the story yes. of bacteria like with tuberculosis we say oh my goodness this person is coughing up blood and sputum and we look at the sputum we say aha there's a bacteria in here and we assume that the bacteria is causing the issue and then we go on this wild mission to eradicate the bacteria and that is you know you have to understand and wrap your head around the fact that that is a misconception of what's actually going on. If you zoomed out, if you asked more questions and stopped assuming that you have the answers um, about this, you would see that this was, there's a reason that that bacteria is active because even in the medical world, they know that we have latent, you can have latent TB where you get tested. Right. You have tubercular bacteria but you don't have the, you know, the diagnosis or the symptomology yes. of tuberculosis. Same and thing with syphilis, same thing with HIV AIDS. Um, Zach Bush, he's very into like studies and stuff. So he was showing how there's literally hundreds of millions of people around the world who, who carry the so-called HIV microbe in their system, who will have a lifetime of robust, healthy life, full life, and never exhibit a single symptom. Yep. Uh, and he said only 0.1% of people with the so-called HIV microbe in their system will ever go on to express any symptoms. And so that was cool because, you know, he's from that medical doctor world. And even he's saying this, like, if you look at the research, it's so different than what you watch on the six o'clock news. <laughs> yes. And my, my perspective, honestly, is that it's none of my business. You know, like these little things in my body, like it's none of my business. I like to think of, you know, ancestrally and how these people had no idea. There were no microscopes. There was, you know, right. we're not looking at people's blood or testing levels of this or that. It's like simplify, you know, yes. I don't need to know what's going on. I, you know, because I trust my organism. I trust this vessel. I trust the ancestors that survived so that I could even be here. Right. And so, 
because I have such strong trust in that, oftentimes this is zoomed in and, and sure, is it interesting? Is it, you know, this growth of this body of knowledge of evolution of, you know, human understanding? Yeah, 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 yeah that's all great. But for me, like I am interested in innate intelligence and yes. the intelligence that I can witness and see and the things that, you know, I... The thing that I can influence most is myself and my consciousness. And I can't go about trying to change the levels of bacteria or virus, you know, <laughs> inside of my body. Like that is putting the cart before the, like I have to focus yes. on what's going on up here. That's my business. Yes. And, and Zach Bush was talking about how, like, isn't it interesting that the, the, the dominator system is focusing on one microbe that's never been isolated. Uh, when really we are a sea of microbes and a sea of viruses make up our being. Kelly Brogan has said that even um, recent research on exosomes has shown that some 45% of the human genome is viral in origin. Um, you know, it's like we're, we're attacking our own selves and we are made up of so many. And he even said it serves the narrative or the dominator system, or whatever we want to call it, to run this story that there's this one evil microbe. But the truth is we are so much made of microbes exactly and they're yeah. yeah to zoom in on one to demonize one to weaponize one is to be controlled to buy into that narrative mm -hmm. is oh i need a savior keep me safe daddy government <laughs> you know like kid tell everybody what to do so i can be safe and it's like you know safety is overrated <laughs> safety we this is not a safe world like right. watch you know the discovery channel look at some animals <laughs> in the wild <laughs> This is, I mean, we have become kind of a neutered society who's so concerned yeah. with safety. It's like, you need a little danger. You need, you yeah. know, like you need a little danger, a little spice in your life to see <laughs> how strong you really are. You right. know, if you live in a plastic bubble and you don't ever challenge yourself and you don't ever have any obstacles to come against and, you know, we vaccinate you and you, you never have a, you know, we do all of this stuff to try to keep you safe. It's like, you've had a pathetic existence that wasn't even worth living in many ways because you were mm -hmm. constantly in fear and pumping chemicals into your system to, to build up some type of artificial, you know, immunity to something when like, go put your face in the dirt and go breathe the fresh air, go run a mile, you know, get chased by an animal, uh, survive and see how awesome life is when the, you know, there's this exhilaration that comes with, you know, just living. And so I feel like people are so like, Oh, it's not safe. Like stay safe. And all of the oh, messaging yeah. everywhere, stay home, stay safe. They never I'm say like, get out in the sun and take some deep breaths and, and stop you know, poisoning yourself. <laughs> get strong. Like that's what yeah. I say. Like stay, like no, get, go get strong. Go get strong. Oh, feel strong. Like, and that's the thing is the, the weakest person out there. If we, you know, and this is kind of a, an interesting conversation just about, you know, oh, it's, well, it's for other people, people who are compromised. People mm, I've who are, heard that. You do, it, you do it for them. We do it. Even for the them. queen. Did you see the thing from the queen? No, I didn't. My family showed me that. And I, I don't know, it was a bit joking, but it was a bit kind of like, <clears throat> The queen wasn't joking, but I, I'm just trying to understand why my family showed it. But it was basically, she was saying, it was just a little jab. And, you know, and for those of you who think that, you know, you've never had one, you're not going to get it. You need to th start thinking of others. <laughs> and it is that narrative, isn't it? It's become that, um, this, this sort of 
I don't want to, you know, somebody got upset when I said it's a psychological operation, but really, what is it? It's the blind leading the blind. If more people understood Germanic new medicine, we'd wake up out of the illusion. Yes, this, you know, the, and this is the thing too, is, you know, I feel for people who, you know, are less, you know, who have had issues in the past and see themselves as compromised in some way, or that they, they can't protect themselves because of whatever issues they have. So, you know, they, they have this idea that they're relying on the herd in order to keep them safe. Um, and so the herd is supposed to have this kind of guilt complex that they need to do these things that maybe they wouldn't do otherwise, but they're doing it for the sake of someone else. And that, that whole ideology I find to be very toxic um, and very damaging because it doesn't, you know, you have to look at the individual and if a person is, is weakened in some way, you know, it, it really is, it's on them to become as strong as they can within, you know, whatever confines they believe that they have, you know, mm-hmm. it's not the other person, you know, I'm not going to break my leg. Like we're running a race and somebody's got a broken leg. Um, you know, I'm not going to break my leg because, you know, well, that person has a broken leg and, you know, I, I want to help them, you know, to feel okay or to feel safe. So everybody's got to break their leg. And it's like, mm, right. no, that's, you know, their, their shortcoming or their problem, you know, is, you know, it's unfortunate that that's their situation, that they can't run the race as effectively, but mm-hmm. I want them to do as best as they can, given their, their circumstance. I'm not going to, you know, cover my face, inject my body for the sake of someone else, especially yes. when you understand that health doesn't work that way. Health is 100% individual. It is not communal. There is no such thing as herd immunity. There is no such thing as communal health. There is individual health only. And so through the individual getting strong, that's the only way that the community in turn can get strong. It doesn't happen the other way. Right. And Dr. Northrup, um, one of my mentors, she always says, when you dim your light, the whole world gets darker. When you dim your light, the whole world gets darker. So it totally, it totally aligns with what you just said. Um, I want to, cause I know, you know, there are going to be people who are listening, who totally understand what we're talking about. And there's going to be some people who are like, what are they talking about? This is so, they're so offensive. You know, I've got this immune situation. How dare you? What, what would you say to those people? I would what say you just said, right? That, you know, you're getting strong and st- and no longer thinking of yourself as compromised, get as strong as you can within your, you know, what you believe. And that's the thing too, is like the, the belief in compromise, the belief in something wrong with you is really your work is to go to work on that and to say, is this really true? Or am I limiting myself by my belief of what is possible? Mm-hmm. You know, like there are so many things that have been, you know, ideas that have been given to you, maybe a spell that's been cast over you, which is making you feel as though you are weak or that you are compromised. And I would go to work even questioning the fundamental truth of that. Is this really true? You know, is this, you know, if I believe this, when I believe this, do I feel strong or do I feel weak? And if you feel Thank weak, you. Yep. that, that is causing, you know, conflict within you. That's causing suffering that you're not even aware of is your belief in your weakness and your vulnerability. We have to get you 
feeling strong rather than trying to externalize and, and make yourself, you know, prop yourself up and have this false sense of safety by people around you doing something. People around you doing things is never going to help you. People around you can't chew your food for you, can't breathe air for you, can't exercise for you, can't think for you. Therefore, they cannot help you get healthy or prevent you from getting sick. Thank you. And even in the allopathic, you know, dominator system that that uh, many are in, there is no evidence that getting the jab is even going to prevent the so-called infection. That's right. So thank you, Melissa. That's very the way that you're explaining it is resonating with my soul, as do all your videos on YouTube. <laughs> if you guys want to check out Melissa's work on YouTube, just type in Dr. Melissa Sell, S-E-L-L, -L, and it all pops up. I just have a couple more questions. Um, how, how do you deal with friends and or family who don't get it, who, who, who you know, criticize you, this or that? I don't have much contact with those people. <laughs> I mean, they just naturally kind of, you know, vibrate out of your experience. Right. And they're, you know, that um, I'm not going to try to convince someone. They know, they know where I stand and they know that I can help them and I'm ready to, to help them in any way that I can, um, should they be interested in that. But, you know, I, you cannot force this idea of freedom and personal responsibility and, um, health comes from within and adaptation and GNM and all of that. Like you can't force that on someone. They have to come to um, it uh, in their own organic way. Because if you try to force mm. it, it's just like trying to force religion on a child <laughs> or right. trying to force anything on anybody. Right. Freedom, freedom is number one. And so they have to come to it on their own. And the people that are just so deep in it, I, I envision and I imagine them breaking through the spell. I imagine, nice. you know, I, I, I cast counter spells nice. <laughs> of freedom nice. and, and I envision them feeling healthy and confident and strong. And I see them, I, I literally imagine them taking their mask off and throwing it in the trash and, you know, and walking out in the fresh air and like looking up at the sky. I love that. There is nothing. Yes. To fear, I was, I mean, truly, it's kind of, I loved um, Dr. Cowan. He tells the story of like um, Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Like everybody is just fallen under this spell. You dream know, spell. we're all under this dream spell. Everybody's asleep and everyone's, you know, somnambulistic sleepwalking through the world with this mask on to go get uh, pricked by this needle. And it's, yes. you know, um, waking up. I imagine this constantly when I'm out in public, when I'm out, you know, I, I see everyone maskless, happy, smiling at each other, um, fearless, shaking hands, sneezing, coughing, no big deal. Um, awesome. I, I have to imagine that. And I have to imagine that, especially for the people that I care about mm -hmm. that are you know, <clears throat> lost in that world. Yes. Um, I, I see them. I, I, I break the spell in my mind. That's beautiful. And I, I was kind of intuitively doing something similar the other day in my meditation. After I finished my yoga practice, I was singing Longtime Sun. And I sing it usually once to myself and then once to the world. And the image of Bill Gates came into my consciousness, but him is like a young child. And I saw the young child inside of him. And the lyrics are, May the long time sun shine upon you. All love surround you and the pure light within you. 
guide your way on. And I just like saw the kid inside of him who, I don't know what happened to him, but something must have happened to him. And um, instead of seeing him as this big, bad, evil person, I tried to see the abused child inside of him and that softened it. Mm. And I mean, who knows how meditation works, but there is the Maharishi effect where people who come together to meditate, crime and violence rates will go down in the city that they're meditating in. So who knows what, uh, one of my friends calls it energetic activism. Who knows what we can do, right? And then this is my final sort of point that I just wanted to touch on as I loved in your uh, Telegram feed you posted recently, when you post slash talk slash think about things that irritate or offend you, you are inviting more of those things into your life. And that was bang on because I have this thing where I kind of waffle. Like sometimes I feel like an indigo child. I'm like, I want to fight for change and exposing fluoride and Bill Gates and glyphosate. And then there's other moments where I'm just like, I'm a crystal. I'm a crystal child. I'm here to just be the change. So how do you, Melissa, strike the balance between sharing what we know uh, and exposing the darkness and not pushing against it too much? Yes, that is such a good question. And I, I deal with that same sort of situation of re revealing the darkness because there are things that, you know, people would benefit to to have exposed to them, to be brought into their awareness because, mm -hmm. you know, something often shocking needs to happen to break the spell. They have to ask questions. Um, and so I really, I allow myself to be intuitively guided. And not and not edit so much and say oh that's too negative or oh that's too this or oh that's too you know I right. I really try to stay in tune with my intuition and, mm. and post what's coming through like if if there's like you know, something coming through I I trust that someone needs to hear it in the way that it's bubbling up without out of me in this moment and so. Um, Yes, I, it's so funny because sometimes I will post things like that, and I and I know that it's like, oh, someone's going to come in and contrad or like scroll through my feed and say, well, this contradicts or that contradicts, and it's like, you know, I I'm trusting this flow, and right. sometimes the message that someone needs to hear is that you continuing to harp on things that irritate and annoy and frustrate you is causing more of that to come into your experience, and so this is something that someone needs to hear, and right. I just trust I just trust that I, I allow that to guide me. And I personally, I, I find that I'm able to entertain um, certain conversations without being absorbed in it. I can entertain right. it and I can discuss it without it um, activating any type of negativity within me. Like I can, I can maintain uh, my state, but if there's something I can't maintain my state with, it's like, stay off the topic. If you can't stay balanced, right. If you, if you see yourself tipping into anger, despair, frustration, you know, um, if it's too much for you, get on a good topic, you know, like Abraham Hicks kind of stuff, yes. get off of it, go do something fun, get light, like feel that, like focus on how you are feeling. And if a topic is too much for you, or if it's, if it only activates deep, like negativity within you or conflict, that's not the topic for you. <laughs> right. Get off of that. We're going to get on some light, focusing on what you want. And ultimately, my message that I want to bring home to people really is it's like this, this inner 
um, your connection with yourself and your inner balance and you feeling confident and free. And, you know, if, if I'm talking about things outside, you know, going on, if that's not making you feel free, you know, if that's not making you feel confident, if it's causing you to feel, oh my gosh, there's all this bad stuff happening. We got to get you on a different topic for right. sure. And perhaps it's also this call to, as you just said, to go in, it's a major eyes in shift that we're all realizing we're experiencing um, in order to flourish and thrive. I'm thinking of, you know, I was part of the Kundalini yoga community and then all the allegations about Yogi Bhajan not being so light and love, no judgment, you know, it is what it is. There's still great things in Kundalini yoga. And then watching Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks, you know, I don't know if you saw her, one of her most recent transmissions, she's, you know, right before she finishes, she goes, and we just want to say, you know, this is coming through so strong. There are throngs of non-physical who were once doctors and scientists, and they are just so happy about this jab. And I was like, Abraham, really? <laughs> like, whoa, that was like, I was like, okay, didn't well, expect no, that. This. That is me. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you the clip. I, you know, and I haven't seen the whole hour long talk, but it was a clip that somebody sent me. Actually, one of, uh, I'll say it because he, he won't mind, uh, William Hughes. Um, he said, have you seen this? Because we're, we're in this little group and one of our friends is loving Abraham Hicks. And I love, there's so many great things that helped me so much. And he said, yes, I, I really was into Abraham Hicks. And then I saw this and it was a little disappointing. You that, know? that really super, super surprises me for yeah. sure. Like that is. <laughs> yeah. And I spoke with uh, Amanda Vollmer about it. And she said, you know, she realized you know, several years ago, or I don't know how long ago, she realized that she cannot rely on channelers because sometimes a channeler will actually pick up some other entity. It's not always necessarily, for example, Abraham. We don't know. You know, we're, we're only human. And sometimes when we're channeling, maybe it's not actually light and love that we're channeling sometimes. So that was an interesting point. And then the other thing I'm thinking, okay, this is happening. Like, for example, I really like Sadhguru. And now, and he actually was talking with Deepak Chopra saying, you know, the vaccine is not the answer. You know, we have to move beyond this whole idea. But then I have a friend who is one of his yoga teachers. She's one of just a handful who teach his very specific style. And they were on a Zoom call. And one of the German yoga teachers asked Sadhguru in front of the Zoom group, you know, what do you think of the jab? Should we get it? Is it dangerous? And he basically said, you know, if you think it's a conspiracy, like, stop it. It's not a conspiracy. You know, I'm not going to get it because I'm, you know, healthy and, and I don't need to get it, but you guys should get it. You are the yoga teachers. You're on the front line. You guys need to get the jab. And especially if you think that it's a psyop, you need to get the jab. This is what my friend was telling me. I'm like, what is happening in the world? And yeah. I was like, sad guru. Come on. That's a sad guru right now. <laughs> like, that is. Oh my gosh. Sad... And then what else did he say? He said that, um, oh, and he said, somebody said, well, like there is some, um, rumor that it may cause infertility in women and he basically said well the, if that's true the world doesn't need more babies so still you should get it <laughs> it's like what is going on this is coming from my friend who i trust who you know is one of his and she you know she's been she's she's the one who told me about germanic new medicine she's a love a lovely german lady and and if it wasn't for her and if if she hadn't she when i was going through a really low point she paid for me to study germanic new medicine with a lovely lady named um Annalie here in vancouver and if it wasn't for her exposing me to german new medicine i don't know where i'd be because that you know i really needed that in my life yes oh. so oh, i did not know about <laughs> like that that 
that it's weird. It's weird. I guess all of the, you know, the, the prominent figures pushing this and it's like, Dalai Lama. can't you see how creepy this is? Like this, this, there's more to this. And the fact it's not an actual vaccine that it's this, you know, modified RNA business. I mean, this is shady, like stay away from it. And someone asked me, I did a video with someone and, you know, she asked about the whole kind of transmuting, like, can you, you know, like if you're eating food and to the pure, all things are pure, can you kind of purify, you know, if you, ha if you get the, the jab or whatever. And I'm like the, it comes from, it's built on like the foundation of it is this danger fear-based outside entity enemy. And so even if you're like transmuting that, why are you doing it? Are you doing it to comply? Are you doing it because you're being forced? Are you doing it? So, you know, this idea that you're keeping someone else safe, all of that is built on, on lie and fear and, you know, darkness. And so, you know, sure. Could you transmute it? Yes. But why would you even put yourself in the position to need to do something like that, mm -hmm. especially with something that's so, I don't know, I have such an innate aversion to, to needles, too. <laughs> anything kind of piercing my sacred flesh. Yes. And so it's like this, you know, when, when that happens, there's so much more happening. the picture just a jab. It's, it's not oh my gosh, yeah. just a jab. There is, you know, you're, you're piercing this vessel. It's supposed to stay intact. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, violating that. And for the purpose of trying to trick your body, which is ultimately what a vaccination is, is intended to do. It's trying to trick your body. We're going to give you a little bit of it. So your body mounts a defense and then you will be immune to it coming at you in normal exposure. None of that, the whole theory to me, I, I makes zero sense. I would never pierce my skin in order to prevent something maybe from happening sometime down the line. I mean, just the logic of that doesn't, doesn't sit right with my spirit. <laughs> well, Dr. Northrup says, if you took, this is when it really clicked for me. I watched 1986, the act by Dr. Andy Wakefield. That was eye-opening. It was about how in 1986 in the U S the government made it so that the pharmaceutical companies are no longer liable for mm -hmm. vaccine damage. So she said, if you took the ingredients of, of a vaccine and put it on a spoon and fed it to your baby, you would be locked up. So why are we putting it into our arms, into our bloodstreams, into our brains, thimerosal, you know, uh, aluminum crossing the blood brain barrier, just one of many things. MSG, I've, I was reading all the, cause my dad's a doctor. I said, dad, are you aware of the excipients they put in many of these vaccines? He said, no, like, show me. And I, I went, I was able to find, it was very hard to find, but I found it on the government website, the Canadian government website, excipients such as yellow number five, because you really need your vaccine to be yellow. Uh, MSG, because you need Chinese food in your vaccine. Like, <laughs> no, we don't get it. Uh, you know, we can go on, but it's it's basically this uh, this understanding that I totally agree with you. And I actually lined up my baby pictures. Sorry to the audience, you've already heard the story but it's, it's kind of pertinent. I was born with eyes that looked straight ahead. I've seen videos and I lined up all my baby pictures after I watched this movie because I've suffered from strabismus all my life or so I thought. All the pictures up until six months, my eyes are perfect, looking around, healthy baby. And then after that MMR vaccination at six months, 
I got the whole schedule, lined it up with all my pictures. I look like I've been hit by something. Like I look like I got dropped. I was like, mom, did you drop me? She's like, no. <laughs> the eyes went severely crossed. And I literally looked like I had been attacked or something like something happened where it, you know what it looked like? It looked like the brain had swollen. It was a, it was a, a swollen brain look on this poor little baby's face, my younger self's face and his eyes. And when I was a year and four months old, you know, the eyes wouldn't go back to normal. So they did a surgery on me. So I was exposed to more toxic, you know, uh, to put me out. And there's research now showing them that can have developmental problems uh, throughout life. And then they tried to sort of cut. So they cut the muscles like Frankenstein, cut the muscles and then reattach them to different parts of the eye to try to get them to go back. You know, and I got a little bit of cosmetic, you know, improvement, but I'm just looking at you with my left eye. If I look at you with my right eye for the audience, can't see my eyes go across. So anyway, I've experienced that firsthand. And I went and did a, a ton of research on mainstream servers such as PubMed and Google Scholar. And the evidence is overwhelming. There are, even in the mainstream scientific literature, there are countless accounts of babies being vaccinated. And then within an hour to three days after, the eyes go severely crossed. You know, I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. And I'm working with a developmental optometrist who says that she sees this all the time in her practice of kids. The parents vaccinate the kids. And they come and they say, oh my God, the, the baby's eyes have gone crossed. Can you help us? So it's a, it's a thing, people. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a book. It's called Crooked. Have you heard of that one by Forrest Moretti? And oh yeah, yeah. I, I haven't I haven't read it, but uh, um, Amanda was talking about it as well. Yeah, the first time I heard of this, like this micro ischemic shocks or um, strokes happen, like when you when you vaccinate. And I can't remember the guy's name, the the first guy that I heard talk about it. But I mean, yeah, absolutely. I've seen that in children. I've seen you know when you look at the pictures, it's it's so clear that yeah. this. What is being done? And just look at, like, look at statistics, look at how sick people are. Since we've done this vaccination program, I mean, there is no reason for it. And when you understand GNM and when you understand, you know, the fifth biological law, which we haven't gotten oh, to. Oh, yes, yes. You can finish with that. That's a great way to finish. Which is the, you know, the quintessence is that this is meaningful. When you develop symptoms, it's meaningful. And when you try to, outwit the body, you know, with this concoction that is truly, when you look at it, it is, you know, it's, it's a potion, it's monkey kidney and, and all of this, you know, garbage. Aluminum, mercury, al aluminum and mercury. And even in the, even in the toddler version of, for example, the flu shot, I remember I got into a little bit of a tiff with my family a few years ago and they said, well, you don't know that there's aluminum in there. You don't know that there's mercury in there. And I said, well, and I left the house and I drove down to the pharmacist and I said, can you please print me out a pharmaceutical manuscript of everything in the flu shot this year? And the, the guy said, everything? I said, yes, please. He said, do you want the infant, adult and seniors version? And I said, yes, please. It's all in there. It's all in there. Like I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. <laughs> like aborted fetal tissue and the ways yeah. they cultivate these things. It's like, this is death this is death. I mean, there, there's dead animal parts, there's mm -hmm. dead baby parts, there's chemicals and poisons, and you're going to inject this into this freshly created human who just came out into the world. They don't even have a chance. There's no, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like this whole mm -hmm. idea of, 
you know, a control group, they don't even, when they test vaccinations, they don't even test it against a placebo. They test right. it against other aluminum containing, um, you know, they, they put the adjuvants in there, but they take out, you know, some of the components and they call right. it a control. It's not a control. I mean, <laughs> this is a topic that, you know, I haven't gotten all fired up specifically about it in a long time because it really is. It's like, it's a charged thing yeah. and people, and it's so wild how you can be how there can be such a dichotomy where I can believe that it is like the most poisonous garbage that I would never put in my body, that it is a danger. And that another person could believe that it is dangerous for me to not have it or for my child right. to not have it, to be on such polar opposites. Right. But you know, nature is on my side. Biology mm -hmm. is on my side. Um, our mm -hmm. whole biological ancestry is on my side. Thank you. And, and science is on your side. You know, that's a really good and important point to bring up with the only two things from my understanding, actually it could be three things. You can correct me if I'm wrong, that in the scientific sort of allopathic system that don't have to be subject to a true double blind randomized placebo control study are HIV AIDS drugs, vaccinations. And I don't know about chemotherapy drugs, but I know for sure HIV AIDS drugs and vaccinations do not have to be subject to a, a and are, are invariably not subject to a true placebo control uh, trial. That's a disgusting loophole. And that makes no sense at all whatsoever. And no. their reasonings for it are just absurd. And I mean, just look, just look at these companies that produce these things and look at what their real motive is. I mean, it's just the most basic thing that you, you know, I share these posts. It's like, do you think that these companies have your health in mind? Do you think that the government has your health in mind? Why on earth would you like look at the, the government recommended health measures over the last 100 years? Look at the freaking food pyramid. Look at mm -hmm. cholesterol medication. Look at all of the things that have been taught and how people have gotten sicker and sicker and sicker every year that these recommendations have been in place, every year that the, you know, the, the recommended vaccine schedule, people are not healthy. People are sick and they are poisoned and they are conflicted and they, you know, it's like just yeah. look at that. Yes. Thank you. And Kelly Brogan says, we have to always address the terrain before we go fighting anything. And so to your point, it's like, let's, let's address the basics. Let's focus on getting strong. Uh, you know, Vaccine passport? How about obesity passport? <laughs> Hello. You know, <laughs> unless they're going through a fish out of water conflict, I can understand. But you know, like, let's focus on the basics of like providing the community with healthy foods, um, with knowledge of how the body works, and and really like lowering the fear. You know, like if the government really cared, they wouldn't be scaring people the way they are. Um, you know, and, and I, I keep wanting to just say it's the blind leading the blind. I don't want to believe that it's some sort of evil psyop. I don't know. How do you navigate that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's, you know, and again, it depends. I, cause I can get into it and I can look at all of the conspiracy things and just, you know, grain of salt, just look at it. It's like, okay, that, that very easily. But then also like all the different, um, you know, I believe all realities exist at once and that, right. you know, like what we're seeing 
And, you know, the projection of the fear, if I buy into it, it's like I'm buying into it. If I'm turned to that channel, I'm on that channel. And so I don't want to be on the channel where I'm controlled by all of these entities. And it's like, you know, they're playing a game They're You know, people are watching a show in the other room and the other (laughs) the show they're watching. But I'm watching uh, peace and love and everybody free and happy and strong and healthy and getting stronger and better and trusting their body and learning about nature. And you know what I mean? So that's the channel that I want to be on. And so I could flip in every now and then and see, you know, what they're watching the scary, you know, but that's, that's truly what it is. It's like, if you, you know, your friends and family are watching like a horrific, terrifying movie, it's like, I don't want to watch that. Like, I don't want that in my spirit. And so I'm going to go and do my thing and watch nature and watch my, my adorable dogs play. And I like, that's what I want to fill my consciousness with. And so I can go in that realm and, you know, try to say, Hey, stop watching that or, you know, do something different, (laughs) but I don't want, you know, I don't fill myself with those ideas because, you know, it's, it's, it can get kind of dark, you know, it really can, and it can get scary and it can get, you know, um, get you in a place of despair, but again, focusing on you resiliency and, um, self-reliance, self-reliance, I think very, very important because when you don't have to rely on the government system for any kind of support, like, I don't need anything from the government at all. Like, I don't, I don't need anything from you. Like, I don't want to give you any of my money. I don't want any, I don't want any of your medicines. I don't want any of your injections. I don't want, and I don't want even want your freaking stimulus. Like that is, I mean, I feel like the stimulus thing is just such baloney because it's just inflated money. It is, you know, we're just printing more. It's, it's creepy, really. It's like, right. I don't need any of your help. I'm good. I'm good. I don't want, I should be. And that's the thing is I believe in voluntarism. I believe you should be able to opt out completely yes. yeah. of the system completely. Like, I don't want anything from you. You don't, you, I don't owe anything to you. You know, mm-hmm. this, the fact that this is a, like this, you know, idea that you just are subject to these rulers because you live somewhere. I just don't believe that that is, uh, right or true or accurate that I, I believe that I'm a sovereign being and that I don't have to subjugate or listen to anybody. Amen. Amen, sister. Um, what do you do? Like when you go into a grocery store, like I went into a coffee shop to see my friend and we weren't wearing masks and, you know, all of a sudden the, this man, this very heavy set man with a very tight mask on, he, he like looks at us and you know, he looks at my, fr- well, first the, bar- the barista says, we're not going to serve you unless you have masks on. And I said, well, I've got a, an exemption, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, asthma. And she said, well, you know, where are your papers? And I said, I don't, I don't have to present those. She said, yes, I called Service Canada and I need to see them. They told me that I need to see your papers. And then um, the, the heavier set man looked at my friend who was also not wearing a mask. And, and he said, what are you going to be all Susan on us? And then my, my friend said, don't you mean Karen? (laughs) And it was just so funny because there's this long lineup of people waiting for their coffee and they all had masks and the lady behind had the big surgical mask on. And she, I thought, well, what's she going to say now? She turns and she says, excuse me, I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, not wearing masks, very inspiring. So that was really cute. Mm. But um, I still find it difficult because sometimes I'll get really, really harassed, you know, by, by people if I don't. And even at Whole Foods now, you can't, they don't even let you in without. So I'll usually take my little um, sort of merino, very thin merino wool necker thing. And I just kind of put it like that. And I put essential oils in my beard. 
try to make it a little bit more pleasant, but how do you navigate the whole mask thing? Uh, I try to take the path of least resistance and, you know, so I don't, so if there are, is a store that does allow you to go in that, you know, like the fine print, that's like, unless you have an issue, you know what I mean? And so yeah. those places, some places, they just don't even let you in at all. And so I do a similar thing where I'll just kind of put it up, but I, I won't leave it over my nose for a very long, just long enough to get through the security. Um, nice. And, and so most of the time it's kind of, you know, partially on, cause I, I truly, I don't like to breathe through it. And I don't know how yeah. people are convincing themselves that this is okay. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, if someone tries to, I, I kind of have blinders on, I don't look yeah. at, at you. I can't hear you. <laughs> I can't see you. I'm here <laughs> to get something and that's all I'm doing. And if you try to talk to me or shame me, I'm not actually even paying attention to to your existence. And so it's right. kind of like a very much in my bubble yeah. sort of situation. And, you know, I don't allow anything to penetrate that bubble when I go out. Right. Oh, I love that. I was at Whole Foods. This was quite a while ago now, but, you know, it was when we had to have the masks on and there was this beautiful woman such as yourself, this French woman, and she had this beautiful dress on, like a polka dot dress, and she had no mask on and she was just walking around the store and then there was another one. There were two like Parisian ladies just walking around. They had kids and they, they were just so lovely. And, and I, I had my sort of visor. I had this sort of little thing that I just kind of rest and it kind of just goes like that. It's like mm -hmm. see-through. Yeah. So at least I can breathe. But um, I looked at them and I said, thank you so much, you know, for not wearing a mask. And one of them said, well, you don't have to wear one either. And I was like, oh, you're right. So I like took my mask off and cool. it was amazing. Like it just was so, it was so empowering. And because the frequency was so high of our little group, nobody said anything. In fact, at the, at the checkout, the tellers were smiling at us mm -hmm. and nobody said a single thing. So it's, it's um, a lot of it is frequency, isn't it? And, Absolutely. and owning it. Yes. And I think, you know, that I do think it's just so sad, like the beauty of people's faces being hidden. I feel like mm -hmm. that is just this, you know, it's evil. It's evil to hide mm -hmm. the beauty of a person's face and their ability to breathe. And the fact that people mm -hmm. can't see that and the fact that, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's sad. It really is. And so that's why I have to do my um, imagining yeah. of everyone, you know, mask-free looking at the sky and, you know, breathing and, and, and go to that place because, you know, mm -hmm. when you do really see just this dark you know, it's dark and it really does, you know, when you look at the, this being some type of, you know, ritual, um, that it, it can get really creepy and yeah. I, I don't like to participate in it. Like, why would I have to participate in your charade in your fear? Like, this is your fear. This isn't my fear. I'm mm -hmm. fine. I'm safe. And if you really believed in your mask, you would, you know, you'd be fine with other people not wearing them. If you'd really believed in your vaccine, you'd be fine with other people not having them. If it really, yeah. you know, that's why it really is about, it's about dulling individuality. It's about dulling, um, consented, you know, dissenting opinions and, and people who have unique thought. It's about creating, you know, the gray faceless mob of, yeah. of 
you know, collectivism. And so I feel like just shining the light as an individual and speaking your truth and helping as many people as you can to break free from the spell is really what I feel like my role is right now is it just helping people get free and become confident and stable in and of themselves and understand their biology through, um, through GNM. Beautiful. Where can people find you um, if they want to work with you and do yes, a consultation or watch your videos? Yes. Um, so like you said, the YouTube channel is a great place to start. GNM 101. You could put that in YouTube. I'm at drmelissacell.com, D-R-M-E-L-I-S-S-A-S-E-L-L.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Telegram. Um, I'm still on Facebook for now. <laughs> I had a three-day ban. Um, I remember that, yeah. And so uh, who knows how long that will last. But yeah, please reach out if you've got questions. I do a free 15-minute consult. So if you've just got nice. questions about symptoms or you want to chat, I love um, getting to chat with tons of people every week who are just, you know, wanting to learn more about GNM or the next best steps for them. Um, yeah, I would love to hear from you. I love that. I'm just going to read this because it's kind of funny and it kind of applies to people like us who constantly get banned. Uh, it's, it's Mark Zuckerberg uh, holding a sign <laughs> and it says, if you haven't done 30 days banned by me, then your memes are weak as fuck and you need, you're a disgrace to the group. Step up your game. <laughs> well, I'm a disgrace. I haven't had a 30 day ban yet. So I got to- Oh gotta shit, girl, you got to step it up. <laughs> oh, I usually, I've gotten banned many times in the past for sharing about Tantra. That's become a very hot button word, even though Tantra just means light and dark. Yeah, it's too spicy. I'm too spicy. Oh, that's for sure. You are definitely- Too spicy for- <laughs> Thank you, Melissa, for your time and for your expertise. And this was just really, really awesome. And um, I look forward to connecting with you again. And you're Dr. Melissa Sell on Instagram, yes? Yes. Thank you so much for Perfect. having me. This was super fun. Um, I you. love conversations. And yeah, let's do it again sometime. Yay. Thanks again, Melissa, for being on the show. And thank you to everybody for tuning in. Wow. What a wealth of knowledge Melissa is. I hope that you guys got a lot out of that. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to her. As she said, uh, she's offering 15-minute free consultations. And you can also head over to my website, willblunderfield.ca, to learn more about what I do in the realms of holistic wellness, sexual kung fu, semen retention, and holistic nutrition. I also have some music out through a record label here in Canada, uh, Sarah McLaughlin's record label, Network Records. You can head over, to, head over to Will Blunderfield. Just type that in on iTunes or your favorite streaming service. Have a beautiful day. Namaste. downstream to everything I desire. I paddled so hard against the current. I did not know that all I needed was to let the oars go and just flow Lessons learned, bridges crossed to get to where we are. Let's lose ourselves in this moment. Of